1: James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
2: It's bright and early. It's Saturday morning. If you want to be part of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, all you have to do is pick up your telephone at any point during the show. Dial 800-848-WABC, 800 800- 848-WABC, certainly there's a lot of news to discuss. It's been a very busy week. One of the things we did during the week was talk with Dr. Naomi Wolf. Now, if you are familiar with her, she's quite brilliant. She, on the political side of the aisle, she was, uh, she's affiliated with the lefties. Okay, she worked with Clinton and Gore as an advisor. She did... She's done other things. She's had books that have some have uh, over the years. Total left, but there is no question that, that that Naomi Wolf is has an immense intellect, and she's a journalist. And we talked with her about COVID, and we talked with her about some of the things that are still not being discussed as we now move past all of that. I think there's a lot of fatigue about COVID out there, but folks, there is. Uh, we're going to play back that interview in the third hour of today's program, and if you have not heard it, please stick around for it, because I think you will be pleasantly surprised. If you have heard it, you will want to hear it again. We covered a lot of ground, and we covered it quickly. Naomi Wolf is quite an amazing journalist, and uh, it was our pleasure to speak with her. Also, yesterday was the anniversary of Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On" album. Now, that album, that song, is listed as the, by Rolling Stone as the fourth best song of in in history. <laughs> you no, know, pop music, I guess. And um, th- yeah, one one of these days, I'm gonna play that album or sex selection from that album. Maybe next week. we I'm we're gonna listen to a little bit of what's going on. We'll throw it in the mix, but we're gonna do something special with the bumpers today. We may throw in a few other things. Diego's here, we always have some fun with the music, but um when Jeff Beck passed before before we got thrown off course with a non musician talking about music last week. Um <laughs> Hi Derek. <laughs> uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wake Derek up if he's not already up. He says he's up at this time already he's preemptively has been getting up early to stop us from waking him up but we were I was asking if we could have talking book because that's when I first became aware of of Jeff Beck when he was uh playing guitar with Stevie Wonder on that album and it's one of the Stevies. Seminal albums. That album, Talking Book, broke the Grammy floodgates for Stevie. He won, I think, four or five Grammys for that album. And so today we're going to revisit that album, Talking Book, and play some of the selections from it, along with some of the other music, "What's Going On" and stuff like that. And so we'll have a good time. One of these days, I am still, I'm still heartbroken over the death of Tom Bell. For many of you who don't know who Tom Bell was. Tom Bell was one of the most to me influential composers, arrangers, producers of the last in this century. I mean his hits are you, you you would go in a grocery store and there'd be music playing. You all know that song, you'll sing along with it. It's kind of like uh, the, he's one of the giants like Antonio Carlos Jobim is. You go la da 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 yeah okay. I know that song. Well, that was Antonio Carlos Jobim. Tom Bell had a whole slew of them, too. Anything from a, a God bless you, you make me feel brand new, to stop, look, listen to your heart, and so many others. Worked with so many artists, the Delphonics, the Stylistics. The Mighty Three music was uh, Philadelphia Sound with Tom Bell, uh, Gamble and & Huff, and... Then, of course, Elton John, Kiki D, and on and on. So one of these days, I don't know what we're going to do to celebrate the life of Tom Bell. One of his uh, musician friends who was on some of the sessions, Ed Shea, has called the show before. Ed has turned me on to some great memories that he's had. And so Ed is on the road right now, I believe. And when Ed comes off the road, we're going to see if we can get Ed maybe to sit in with us one weekend and do something special about Tom Bell. Uh, Yeah, there's news, and there's a lot of news. Some of the things we may be able to touch on today, you know, the tech sector all of a sudden is imploding. It's not going to go out of business. It's not that kind of implosion. But what is happening in the tech sector are massive layoffs. And, in fact, it's over $12 billion worth of salaried positions gone. So we'll talk about that. There was an article, in fact, I see it on my tech stack, the headline, Microsoft hosted Sting concert at Davos. You know, this was the big week over at Davos. All the richy-riches fly in there privately and tell us that we should all not be using private Airlines and stuff like that because we have to fight global warming. But meanwhile, they're partying their butts off. Their carbon footprint soars. And meanwhile, they point their little fingers and tell us what we should do. So one of the headlines out of uh, Davos, Microsoft hosting concert at Davos the night before announcing it's going to slash 10,000 jobs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That in the Amazon rainforest, right? Okay. Uh, Scott brought to our attention last week. Remember, Scott, when we were talking about the the, the gas stoves and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah, you pointed out that New York was already... They banned it in 2021. Well, they banned it starting in 2024. Yeah, you can't put any new gas stoves in.
3: Right. You can't put any new gas service into your house starting in 2024. New construction cannot have gas starting in 2024.
2: Okay, well, guess what? New York's not alone. See, all all this time, as soon as this thing blew up that they wanted to ban it nationwide, everybody started complaining about it. And then the Democrat, oh, no, oh, no, we're not going to do that. Well, uh, they've been doing it already. There's a story at Fox. Democrat-led cities are already moving forward with gas stove bans that will affect millions. They dredged up comments from Bill de Blasio when he put in that band that Scott's talking about. But it's not just New York. Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco, Seattle, New York City. So far, at least 10 million. They don't talk about the impact to restaurants. And they better not, because these things are going to send a lot of restaurants out of business.
3: Yeah, I mean the restaurant industry has said that they just they cannot be competitive without gas cooking. Yeah. Although in New York, I don't know how many new restaurant, you know, within the city of New York, you know, I don't how many new construction restaurants are there probably not a lot because everything's already built, but well,
2: you just stumbled into something. It's not that they're just already built. It's that here's another story from the the, the New York Post. It's the editorial board. The iron hand of government is still the biggest reason New York's economy hasn't recovered from COVID. (laughs) And there is a grim picture of what's happening in New York. Now, look, in a lot of ways, we are recovering in New York, but a host of labor statistics paint a grim picture of the situation down 12% from our pre-pandemic total of jobs and recovering that last slice will take nearly two more years, while the nation's up to 500,000. Unemployment is over 6%, twice the national level in New York. And a lot of it still deals with the way that New York dealt with COVID, and we're still paying the lesson for it. In fact, I was talking to some of my friends in the broadcast industry who are over on the west side of town. And they are in a huge skyscraper office building, and almost no one shows up to work still, in person. People are still not coming back into the office. And so you have these companies spending all this money on real estate, and office space is not where it should be. And then, Scott, you have this, and everyone else along with not being able to build a new house with a gas stove in it because you're going to hurt Greta Thunberg's feelings. She'll have to get arrested. New Yorkers are abandoning their state. This is from Fox Business. New Yorkers are abandoning their state in record numbers for sunny climates, low taxes of guess what state? Florida? Florida. Florida. Nearly 65,000 New Yorkers. Think about that. That's not an insignificant number. Nearly 65,000 New Yorkers transferred their driver's licenses to Florida in 2022, suggesting they're staying for the long haul. From, yeah. the, from the state or from the city? From the state. Okay. That seems low. No, it's not low. Because when you think about it, see, this is the thing. New, you have to look at the who is it that's actually leaving. And a lot of these people are in the higher tax brackets. And it doesn't take many of them to leave before New York's tax base is severely crippled because of high taxes. So a lot of the chickens are coming home to roost here. Between still the recovery from COVID, dealing with the continued issues of crime, there was another subway incident the other day, another guy got killed thrown on the subway tracks, we still have these. I don't, you know, I don't bring all the headlines in every day, but every day you can pick out another headline of some criminal that's been tossed. Oh, man, we've got a criminal stack today. Talk about karma. But, yeah, you're still facing all these problems. So New York has got their hands full. Look, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to wake up Derek if he's not already awake. I want to talk with Derek about, I want to talk, hey, Derek, I know if you you are awake, I want to talk to you about about not just the debt ceiling today, but I have a philosophical question for you, Derek, and I have a philosophical question for you, everybody. You know, we talk about the problems a lot, and this sounds like one of those, like, uh, you know, but it is. Solutions, solutions, solutions. What would you do? if you could wave the proverbial magic wand to fix a few things, what would you pick to fix in our society going wrong, and how would you go about fixing it? One of the reasons that I'm interested in this, I have a friend It's a little too early to introduce him to those of you on the show. He is a tech CEO. He's out there in Silicon Valley. And all the years he's been doing tech, his heart has been really into something else, and that's trying to fix the education system. So he put together a group of people. I got a call from him last night, and he said that his company's almost ready to unveil a brand-new approach to education, a different model for education. Oh, I'm glad Rhonda's up. Rhonda's up already. Boy, it's early out there in the Midwest. The chickens must be clucking out there. Because Rhonda's got a story that she's going to share with us in the third hour of the story today, of the the show today, too. So anyway, let's head to a break. Let's see if Derek is awake. Oh, he's awake. Cool. And we'll be right back. Don't go away, James Golden, aka Sternley. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza.
1: Talk radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, aka Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC.
2: See, I don't even remember Derek, which side was the A side and B side on the vinyl anymore. I always start, when I listen to the Talking Book, I always started with superstition. But this is Talking Books, Stevie Wonder. My
4: That's why I'll always be around.
2: Lanny Groves. This is not the first edition. The very first release of this album did not have the horns. Yeah, they went back and overdubbed the horns after it was released as a single. Nonetheless, brilliant. And this turned out to be a huge smash for Stevie Wonder. From the Talking Book album. Love has joined us. Derek Hunter is awake and on the line. Hello, Derek. Good morning. Welcome to your Saturday. (laughs) <laughs> yeah good
5: morning interesting uh hearing you talk it's it's disturbing actually waking up hearing you talking about early release and uh whatever but it is nice to know that i am the sunshine of your life james i always suspected it as much
6: so we yeah, now have
5: confirmation i can tell you're so bitter hey, oh well we got sidetracked last week by a non-musician what uh what records are you on, James? When, when's your latest album drop?
2: My, my actually, I'm working. I'm working on my latest album now. Uh, yes, I'll have you know that I am. I asked about that. Ex, ex, excuse me. Okay, the past. You can actually find songs that I have written that are on albums. I'm a published BMI songwriter, and I've had uh, a limited amount of success with it. Some success with it. Um, I get mm-hmm. royalty checks from it. Uh, where's yours?
5: Uh, they're Oops, in a book when I was up. 18 years old trying to pick up chicks. And I sat around and tried to look like I was writing poems and songs.
2: Do you still have some of your poems around?
5: Oh, God, I still do. Yeah, they're terrible. I have them all. I also was a member of a very successful fake band
6: because in
5: the, the 1990s called Otter. We uh, did not exist but my friend worked for Warner Brothers he was a label rep and yeah. we got backstage passes to day long festivals everywhere around Detroit and so while we were Lead sitting on the, we were sitting on the, it was the only way we could afford to go while we were sitting on the cool side of the uh, the tables and drinking free beer and eating free food people would ask us how it was that we got in there and so me my friend Kyle and my friend Jeff made up a fake band called Otter we had a couple of albums Otter stock did all right. We were, the Afghan wigs really liked us is what we were telling people. And, uh, you know, we, we had albums coming out that never quite made, but they were coming soon. And so there are probably people out there still waiting for the, the newest Otter album to come out. But, yeah, that was as close as I ever came. Was you know, I bet my fake band was way more successful than your songs.
2: So. I doubt it. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to play one of my songs one of these days. Do we it. may have one not, in the library. Can Maybe, you just you check and see whether when they play? Play them. Can you check and see whether we have "Take My Heart" by Omar Hakim in the library? Which was one of our this song. If we do, um, was played in thirty six different countries around the world mm-hmm. and did extremely well. Look, it's and I can give permission to play it because we don't have it in the library. If you can find it, I can give you permission to play it.
5: Is it the big your
2: biggest hit? Well, it's one of the best selling ones that we did. I wouldn't say it's the <laughs> biggest hit. We've gone on and we're working on some new stuff, and I don't want to talk about it that much because it's still in development.
5: Okay. You know what about all your work with uh, the Luke, Luther Campbell and the Two Live Crew when you, you I never worked with all them. Of the
2: they want to. Be. I'm just I never people. worked with those guys. That's. Enough, that's. Those are the Hollis Boys. Now my boy Bugsy. Could tell you about all of that. Bugsy was on the show a few weeks ago. Bugsy's a huge disc jockey in New York and around the country. He's on one of those. You know, he goes all over the place. You have it? Yeah. Or? Well, it's not in the library, but you give permission, right? Yeah, I'm giving permission. I own the copy. I own the copyrights. We can play it. So here's one. Just play a sample of it. This is one of the songs what, that I'm on. I wrote. Introduce, t-
5: intro it. Who is it? What is it? What?
2: This song was from the album Rhythm Deep, Omar Hakim. And if you look at the song credits, James Golden, Omar Hakim. I am one of the uh, co writers of this song. And the song is entitled, Take My Heart.
4: I gave into the fantasy. Imagine you were here with me.
2: Omar is singing. He's playing drums, guitar.
5: And to say you really did miss your calling as an FM DJ because you walked right up to the point where he started singing, you knew when to shut up. and that, like Let's You missed it. Hit Yeah, you hit the post, but you should have done it in the 80s because I don't even know if, if there are real human DJs anymore on FM music stations.
2: is also doing the background vocals. You, right the Share your love. Share
4: your
2: All right, that's enough. I just wanted to, uh, yeah, Derek, I am a songwriter. So I, it's not just talk, you know. I love music, and I'm I still involved. I'm still writing, and I still do some other things. So, yeah, I just don't talk about it that much. Now, Derek, I asked the question before you came on, and I want to get an answer to this question. I, if you could, we we talk about the problems every week. I want to talk to you about the, the, this whole business with the debt ceiling. Because mm-hmm. every, every, every story I read this week from the, the mainstream press predictably predicts that there's going to be such gloom and doom if we don't make it, blah, blah, blah. We're really going through all these extraordinary measures to pay our bills, blah, 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 blah. I'm not buying any of it. I just think that this whole, I I think this is just such political BS theater. I don't think the United States will default on the loans. And I think even if there were a temporary hiccup, there wouldn't be this gloom and doom. But it led me to believe that if, what would we do? Derek, if you had to pick an issue that you said is one of the top issues in your mind that you, you wish that you could fix and, and you have the fix for it that would improve the United States and improve, improve our lives in the country, what would it be that you would choose to fix and how would you go about fixing it? So
5: that's a pretty broad question. Yeah, it is. Uh, get, get rid of all Democrats. Get rid of all progressives. No, um, it, what I, if I could fix, I would fix the education system.
2: And how would you go yeah. about doing it?
5: Well, I actually have thought about this. I would instead, I would get rid of tenure, both in. I, I, I would never allow it to happen in, in higher education, but I would get rid of it in schools, in public schools, in exchange for. A tax for you know uh, I'm trying to think of how I've put this in the past. I've written about it a long time ago. It, it, they always say we got to spend more money. We got to pay teachers more. We got to pay teachers better. It never has anything to do with getting better teachers. And so you get a lot of people. Now there, most teachers are good, but it doesn't take that many bad teachers to really screw up everything. Especially like in high school when you're having indoctrination in third hour, but you know all the other things and are are good you can really screw up with the one hour of indoctrination so in exchange for the inability getting rid of the inability to fire a bad teacher you offer them a tax free profession which will attract more teachers it'll attract a hell of a lot more people people who otherwise wouldn't have thought about going into it it's an automatic raise far as take-home pay goes. You get um, a whole bunch more people going into it, and then you can say, you're no good at it, you've got to go, and you can say, you're good at it, you can stay, and those people who are good at it, many of them wouldn't have otherwise gone into teaching, and so you uh, can transform the profession that way without really costing much money or disrupting things or really having a heavy hand of government saying you've got to teach X, Y, and Z. The government has to set benchmarks, what kids have to learn at what years. And if you meet that, you, you go, you keep going. And if you don't, you lose your job. We can't get rid of bad teachers right now. And I was a, this is how bad it is, James. When I was in 10th grade, The uh, summer between 10th and 11th grade – now, I didn't take French. I ended up taking German, but the French teacher in our school was gone in the 11th grade. She'd always been there. She's like, oh, what happened to Miss What's-Her-Face, Mrs. What's-Her-Face? Turns out that Mrs. What's-Her-Face and Mr. What's-Her-Face, what's-his-face, her husband, had spent the summer – they got arrested for trafficking cocaine up from South America. (laughs) You know, just one of those typical <laughs> summer deals. So they spent the eleventh uh, grade year of my existence in legal turmoil, shall we say? And she did not come back to my high school and teach. But by the senior year, she, lo and behold, was back. Now, how did this happen? Well, her husband cut a deal, turned state's evidence. Uh, they 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 cut all kinds. Of, he, I believe, got some time, but she got everything dropped against her. And thanks to the lovely union rules and tenure, there was no legal grounds to fire her. Now I probably, my school district probably could have gone through the rigmarole and fired her. It would have probably taken years, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. They just didn't have that money. So lo and behold, guess who was back senior year? Now the German class was right next to the French class. And I being the lovely, charming human being that you know today, would walk out of the German class, run my hand along the chalkboard rest, and rub some of the white powdered residue from chalk under my nose as I walked past French (laughs) (laughs) If we can get rid of this, James, and have teachers who want to teach, who don't smuggle drugs, who aren't, you know, in New York City, you have the – The rubber room where teachers who can't be trusted to be in the room with children but can't be fired, who get full pay, get raises, get their pension, get everything, they sit there all day long. If you can do this, if you can get rid of that and change that system, I suspect the outcome would be so much better, too, because you might end up with a system of teachers who like the job and can do the job, which, you know, if we could just weed out the people who don't like the job, don't like kids, can't do the job, um, education would be much, much better.
2: That's a great answer. And I'm going to ask every one of you on the staff. I know we have to take a break, Diego. We'll hit to it. Um, I'm gonna, Hey, so get ready. In there. Commit, you too, Camille, everybody. Everybody has to participate. And if you guys on the phones want to weigh in too, I'm going to be asking you this question throughout the show. If you could fix one thing in our society, what that would help people have a better life, what would you fix? But don't just tell us what it is; tell us how you would fix it. Scott, you start thinking about. It. And then I got another question for for Scott too. And Derek, we're going to go to the break, but I got to tell you this, Derek. Scott has been fooling around with these AI conversations, and mm. it's some of the stuff he's telling me is fascinating. I'm going to ask him to start taping some of these things. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about that in a minute when we get back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snorley with you here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza coming back in just a few moments.
1: Talk radio 77 WABC. <laughs> oh, knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. <laughs> <laughs>
2: from the talking book album Stevie Wonder this maybe your baby and maybe your maybe your baby has made some other plans and this is Steve on the uh, clavichord Down some
4: kind of And I don't even give a care. I feel like the world is turning on me. My dreams turn out just right in front of my face. I'm getting kinda worried. And I feel <laughs> like The oh, oh, oh. Baby, baby Talking make. Book
2: Album, we haven't heard Jeff Beck yet. You will hear him in, uh, in his, some of his licks coming up. In It's on the second side of the album that he's featured a lot. But anyway, this is the Stevie Wonder Talking Book Album. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to your Saturday morning. Derek Hunter is with us. We have the whole gang with us. Camille is here. Diego's here. Scott is here. Now, Derek, have you been fooling around with this AI stuff yet? No, I
5: have not. Um, I've, I've heard about it, but I haven't messed with it. Can I just say, first of all, clavichord sounds like something that if you break it, you're out for the season. Um, <laughs> secondly, my, my team... Uh, I'm remembering more of what I, my my uh, education thing is because you get teachers in there who want to teach. You also break the union, you bypass the unions, which hurts Democrats. You uh, offer this to teachers directly; they choose to basically leave the union, forego tenure, voluntarily for a you know fifteen twenty percent raise in perpetuity. Uh, that would cripple, I think, the teachers' union on top of bringing in good teachers into the uh, education system. So it's got all sorts of uh, added bonuses, too.
2: Very well thought out. You know, you ought to revisit this and do another column on it, Derek, if you don't mind me saying so.
5: I can't even remember if I did a column on it in the first place, but I think I did.
2: Cool. Now, AI, Scott has been – what prompted all of this, there was an article – Believe it or not, and some of you do not be offended by this because I'm reporting it. I'm not suggesting it. But there was, I looked at it and I said, this, this is, anyway, the article said two things. With AI, the new advance of AI technology, artificial technology, now you can have conversations with people that are no longer with us. It's all programmed in. Now, there was an article that I read since then this week, and I, I forget whether it was in the New York Times or the Amazon Prime Washington Post, that a pastor delivered a sermon to the parishioners of his church and told them after the sermon was complete that it was all written by artificial intelligence. And they were stunned. And this tied in with what the other story that I read this week, that there is an AI program now where if you want to have a conversation with Jesus Christ, you can have a conversation, an artificial intelligence conversation with Jesus Christ. But he wasn't the only one. If you wanted to have an artificial intelligence conversation with Adolf Hitler, you could. I immediately, of course, thought about Kanye. But, um, you know, (laughs) I I said, this is right up Kanye's alley.
5: Tanya is not dead. He's just his career is. Oh, wait, no, you're talking yeah. about Kanye. I wanted to talk yeah. to him. But James, part of what makes humans humans is the, the, the temporary nature of life and the understanding that we are only here for a limited amount of time. And uh, we already take advantage of. Our ability to engage in denial, I don't think we tell the people we love we love them enough. I, it, you know, memorials, I've attended many memorials, and you sit there and you go, God, I wish I wish I could have said this while the, to them while they were alive. Um, this just seems like it would give us more of an excuse not to do that, an opportunity not to do that in our own heads, because we could fool ourselves into believing that this is real when it is not. And I think that the the finite nature of life, we we shouldn't dismiss it willy nilly. You can do what you want, you can have whatever you want, but I think that um, realistically, we should focus on being better people while we're alive and being nicer and more uh, honest and more direct and telling the people that we love while they're here that we love them. Uh, I would love to have another conversation with my mother, but it wouldn't be my mother. And uh, you know, I'm I'm content knowing that the last thing I said to her while she was still, you know, alive and still cognizant was that I love you as I was getting off the phone with her. So the last thing I said to her in person when I was leaving, I make a point to do that. And if it's like, well, now I can just have a a, pull up a a chat screen and plug a microphone in and some robot will, will take play Yahtzee with me, which is what I used to do with my mom. Um, I, I just, it wouldn't be the same. And I think we'd be fooling ourselves Beyond, it'd be a, a circus mirror for the soul. We already have circus mirrors for our bodies, where we pretend that we are pretend look better. The bathroom mirror makes us look better somehow than we really are. Uh, I don't know that we need a, a circus mirror for our soul. I think we need to just maybe work on our souls.
2: Well, I, you know, very profound. I, let me tell you though we're not going to stop this. This is the genie is out of this bottle. It's here. People are already afraid, and in fact, there was another article, yet another one, that I read this week about uh, colleges are now bracing themselves for the impact of the new artificial intelligence that is already writing the, the answers to exams for students. And already yeah. che- students are already learning how to cheat using artificial intelligence. Now, if we Scott, burned
5: half the calories we burn trying to avoid doing work, and actually did the work, we'd be much smarter, much better off as a species.
2: Agreed. I agree with that. Now, but Scott, you you have you delved into this. Tell us what your experience well, was. Well, I wanted
3: to talk to Hitler, but I couldn't afford it. He they want sixteen, seventeen dollars to talk to Hitler. So I'm just like, no, I, I don't want to talk to Hitler that bad. Um, so I, was, I wanted to see who all was on here, and I Frederick Douglass was on here, and Lyndon Johnson. So I had a nice conversation last night with with Frederick Douglass. It, they kind of it's it's a circular logic, and it, it you can tell that it's it is definitely slanted. By I was surprised. First of all, you know all of the stories about the early AIs always getting very racist. Yeah, that's well, what we I, so heard. I was kind of curious if I could get this to do. It does not do that, by the way. Um, but no. So I had a conversation with Frederick Douglass about uh, the uh, white farmers in Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah he's very he definitely for me, for me on the grave he's uh but yeah so he's he's talking about uh the white farmers had a greater degree of access to resources and technology which gave them an unfair advantage over their black counterparts This an is uh in a, this inequality in access has been further compounded by political unrest in some parts of africa we must strive for a more equitable distribution of resources if we are to create real change and progress so i said the blacks took the land from the whites. That was not equitable. And he says, that is not a fair assessment of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> While it is true that some African nations are richer in resources than others, that does not mean that they acquire those resources to run just means, yada, yada, yada. As citizens of the world, we must work together to ensure more equitable and just uh, future for all people that were of the earth. Uh, <laughs> where did, oh, and I, I, that's, I said, so do you feel the genocide of white people in Zimbabwe is justified? Absolutely not. I believe in a world where all people can live peacefully. Anyway...
2: So, Fred, uh, so I
3: could not bait him into saying something racist, which was kind of my goal there. He didn't do it. Uh, Lyndon Johnson. I asked him about <laughs> about how his uh, how he, he the uh, the N word that would be voting Democrat for a hundred years. And he explained to me that that is not what I meant. Everyone should be able to vote freely and without fear of retribution or discrimination. Every American citizen has a right to cast a ballot for whichever candidate they feel represents them best. And I was like, but you said that in private in reference to granting welfare to blacks in the hope that they would vote for your party in return. Yes, I did make that comment in private. However, my intention was not to manipulate or exploit African-Americans for political gain. Rather, I wanted to ensure that all people, regardless of race, had access to basic rights and services necessary for a healthy life. So clearly our history books have been rewritten by someone that... Even
5: dead and fake, he's the ultimate politician.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's impressive. And they did, it's it spits this stuff back at you in like two seconds. It doesn't, you know. It's not even it, it, it's 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 incredible. The, the,
2: did you have to pay to talk to Lyndon no, Johnson? No, you know, the
3: only you have to pay like fifty cents to talk to Jesus. Lyndon's free. Frederick Douglass. Doug, there's a lot of people you can talk to for free. Oh, mainly, I think Hitler is the uh, high budget item on there.
5: It, you got to pay what a lot is, to talk to Hitler. It's is scary that? that there's a market market free market prices. Adolf Hitler hired <laughs> part of the reason. Everything's
2: going to hell as it it is. is it that's, that's a great point it's just insane, and this is the new world. we are living in a world that is changing so rapidly, and uh, Derek, I love what you said about about um investing in making our souls better not engaging in kind of another falsehood that we can tell ourselves and comfort ourselves it's a Derek, you're just full of wonderful ideas today. that sounds like another column. We I'm have giving you all... <laughs> li- I now want have royalties.
5: Entirety- <laughs> I want a check. He got me a check, and I'll give you a taste of it. Um, I uh, We we now have the entirety of human knowledge in our pockets as we walk around, and we've never been dumber as a species, it seems like. We, we just keep getting worse because we don't... Think of it this way, James. How many new phone... Uh, you know, you and I have met since the... Uh, I don't know, probably eight, five, eight years ago, something like that. We put numbers in cell phones. I have no idea what your number is. I don't have to look it up. I couldn't. I can barely tell you my wife's phone number. I only know that because when we were buying things together, I had to write down her phone number, so I had to get it from her. <laughs> but I, re- I remember the phone number I had when I was a kid. I remember all of my friends' phone numbers from when I was a kid, but for the last 20 years, I don't think I've committed a new phone number to memory, even my my dad's cell phone. I have no I know what the house phone is, but I have no idea what the cell phone is because I don't have to learn it anymore. The cell phone and the smart technology has done nothing but make us dumber. And uh, this I this just I, seems I, to I, I, further I, on that road. So
2: I, why, we'll why, be back.
5: To, why remember things when you can just look them up?
2: We will be back in a moment, James Golden, a.k.a. we two. James Golden, a.k.a. Stoney our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Be part of the conversation. Have a cup of coffee with us. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
1: Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now here's the soul of excellence. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdling, on 77 WABC.
2: This song is um, particularly beautiful from the Talking Book album. It is you and I. If you were a contemporary of this album, and and you had you were a stevie fan you would recognize this song as one of the ones that you would hear at weddings people would use this as their wedding song so beautiful Here we are
4: on earth together and you and i
2: from the talking book album I've made us fall
4: in love It's true, I've really found someone like you, will it stay the love Side to see me through until my life is through. Well, in my mind, we can conquer.
2: Yeah, we're going to leave it right there and get back to our conversation, Derek. I want to come out with uh, the rest later. The rest of this song, this the finish to the song is just amazingly beautiful. Anyway, Derek is with us. Uh, yes, Scott. Just we just talked about the AI business, and I've asked the question from everybody: What would you do? Let's head to the telephones, Derek. Uh, stick around with us. You're going to answer questions with me here on the phone. Let's talk to folks and see what uh, is on their mind this morning. John in Freehold, New Jersey, you're up first. What's your question? And welcome to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza.
7: Hey,
8: it's a pleasure. You always remind me of Rush. I love you. But um, Thank you. So my question is, what if we decided as a people not to pay taxes until we get the laws we want and until we get what we want? Like if every business decided not to pay their taxes and they continue to pay people, just no taxes go to the government. Well, is the, that possible?
6: The problem with
5: that, the problem is anything's possible, but the problem is that there's not uniformity of agreement on any of those things. So you would get some businesses who wouldn't do it, and some businesses who would. The impact wouldn't be what you'd want. You ideally, looking at it this way, if you're working for a company that has a mandatory annual sexual harassment seminar and uh, some sort of woke thing that uh, they put you through. If you and a couple of your friends at work say, I'm not going to that, you can be fired. If everybody decides they're not going to go to that, they think it's a load of garbage, then they really probably can't fire everybody. Um, You'd be working on the honor system with a whole bunch of other businesses, many of whom politically disagree with you and would look at this and go, we need to pay our taxes. It's As Joe Biden put it when he was vice president, I think, it was our patriotic duty to pay our taxes. And so there'd be other people who'd go, I'm not going to do that. That's insane. They'll come and get me. I hate taxes, but I understand why we have to pay them. So you end up with a very small percentage of the businesses actually going through with it, and uh, they come get you.
2: Look look at what happened during COVID. Look at what happened during COVID. Um, These companies said that they were going to fire people if they didn't take the vaccine. And a lot of people just got coerced into it because they need the money. They needed the livelihood. And they took it because, out of coercion. Now, and, and look what look happened.
5: at it as Go ahead. during COVID with the lockdown. They closed right. businesses. Remember that uh, Attila's gym in, right across the river there in New Jersey. They said, no, we're not going to be bullied. If if, if every business in New Jersey or even a large percentage of businesses just in that town had defied the lockdown orders, Attila's gym probably you'd never would have heard of it because they wouldn't have been able to go after everybody. But since so many people complied, uh, and Attila's was the only place really of note that didn't, they were able to devastate that business, not destroy it, but devastate it. So you, you're counting on other people coming along with you Uh, Remember Bluto in Animal House when he's talking about, you know, the Germans, was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? No, it wasn't. So come on, let's go. Let's do it. He runs out of the room and nobody goes with him. Uh, You run that risk when you take a principled stand. I don't discourage anybody from taking a principled stand as long as it's from an educated point of view. If you want to protest by not paying your taxes – uh, more power to you just recognize that there may well be a uh, a prison cell waiting for you certainly yeah let's uh, ask wesley snipes
2: about that ask yes. wesley how that how that turns out
5: or uh, thank in, you. like nicholas cage making really bad movies for
2: a decade <laughs> boom tom in woodbridge thank you john tom in woodbridge new jersey you're up next it's our saturday morning radio extravaganza
7: Okay. Uh, well, before I get to my comment, I definitely want to reiterate that uh, resource, uh, The Culture Critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald, with regard to everything going on with immigration. He disaster. needs to pay you because
2: needs- you plug his book every week that you get on here. And I'd like <laughs> you doing it, for- but, he, but, but, but I wonder if you're the author, actually. But do me a favor. No, let's get right to the question today because time is short. What is your question, Tom?
7: Okay, so uh, the question, or uh, you want to, how I would fix uh, another. How you ones? would fix
2: it? How you would fix things? And what you would fix?
7: okay uh so basically i think the first thing i would do is uh tackle immigration because it has corollaries to so many other topics uh not to mention the welfare state welfare spending crime etc uh so the first thing i would do is actually fix our immigration uh, system how i would do it number one construct a physical barrier along the entire frontier with mexico that's number one number two deport not just simply process but deport Every single illegal alien in the country present right now. Uh, number three, I would and the mandate a federal uh, law. I would actually have it uh, sponsored through the Congress if I were the president, sponsored the Congress. I have a senator sponsor a, a bill in the Congress to make it law that no illegal alien can qualify for any federal or state Entitlement program paid for by American taxpayers. Uh, and let me stop uh, you. Let, let me stop one.
2: you right there because you raised three things, and I want to give Derek a, a chance to respond. And I'm going to respond to one: this idea that we can stop people from accessing the welfare state in New York was tried, and of all places, California. Remember, proper what was it? Proposition 53 or 58? Um, And they said, "Okay, we're going to do we're going to do this. The state of the people in the state of California voted to do exactly what you said. We're going to put our hand. We're going to put a limit. We're not going to let people access the welfare system. And the courts overturned it. How do we, Derek how do you listen to his uh, proposals fixing immigration?
5: The, the court the courts didn't jump in and do it. The party that chants and screams at people this is what democracy looks like when they lose at the ballot box immediately go to the courts to try and overturn the will and then the courts complied. It's the the progressive left that that really fought to overturn it. Um I I am all in favor of these sorts of things. The only realistic way to go about it though If you're not going to stop California and New York from spending it, you've got to really punish the businesses that hire illegal aliens. Punish them. Real ID and then serious punishment to the point that you really risk the existence of your business. And then you will be able to stop them. If the work dries up, then the self-deportation begins. Or maybe we offer them free
2: bus rides to Canada. we got to go. Derek, thank you for being with us, our 7 o'clock hour. (laughs) Thank Derek Hunter, you. we're going to continue this discussion, ladies and gentlemen. We're coming back right after a top-of-the-hour news break. Don't go away. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza continues.
1: Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdling, on 77 WABC.
2: Don't go away. Where's Danny? Where's Danny D? Danny. What's up? Danny, are you serious? You can't have plastic? What is this crap? What are you talking about here? You You order food. You're not at home. You order food. You have a delivery. Maybe you're staying in a hotel. And maybe you want some food. So you order. You say, hey, do me a favor. I don't have any... I don't have any, uh, you know, I don't have a fork with me. They won't let you travel with a fork and a knife in your in your take-on bags. So I'm here. I want some food. Can you send over some plastic, some some something so I can eat the food that I just paid for? And you're telling me, Danny, I know this is not you. I know you're just reporting the news. <laughs> but you're telling me that now we're going to have plastic forks banned in New York?
0: Well, it's a city council proposal that could come to fruition soon. It's still up in the air. You know, you just said it yourself, don't shoot the messenger. But, yeah, that's what it looks like could happen.
2: Who are these people? Who are these people? (laughs) Do these people not understand how anything works in real life? I can tell you. I could tell you as a
0: college student, sometimes that plastic cutlery comes in handy when you order something you need a fork and a knife to eat. And you look around your dorm room and you go, Oh, I don't, I don't have anything to, you know, eat this with. (laughs) So I could understand the frustration.
2: Do they think that these, do they think that these stores are giving it away because they're being nice? No, they are including it in the meal because the customers need it. Who are these idiots on the city council? Who are? Oh,
0: Danny, I'm sorry.
3: It's Danny, okay. I have, to, I have to compliment you on your focus, by the way. When when uh, Bo was screaming over you, you you didn't lose a step. Yeah, you know, I heard
0: good. I heard a voice, and I didn't know if it was. It was Diego, or, or it was, or it was you guys. It was but I just the kept Giants going. The Giants
2: are gonna get. The Giants are gonna get crushed.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I think they're, they're gonna, gonna get lose, get too, crushed. Unfortunately, you know they had a good yeah. run. I, you know all my friends who are Giants fans. You know it's a tough pill to swallow when I tell them, hey, you know Philly's very good. They they're kind of delusional, but you know at least they made it this
2: far. Yeah, yeah. Better luck next season, guys. <laughs> Danny, thank you. Danny, um, I really would like a continuation report on this. I know, you know, would you please keep us abreast on this, this, what is this, California? No, this is,
0: this is right here, New York
2: City, the Big Apple. This sounds like something those wackoid liberals in California would come up with. Let's not let have people, let's not have, let people have cutlery to eat the meals that we send them. You know, tell you what, I'll keep this in my report
0: and then the next hour I'll add some, Extra information. I'll do some Google searching for you guys. Thank you. No problem.
2: (sighs) Every week, every week, these liberals come up with something else. Now they want, now it's too much for you to have a fork and a freaking spoon and a plastic knife for you to eat the meals that you're paying. You're already paying for the meal. You're already paying for the delivery. And now... What are you supposed to do? Eat it with your fingers? Let's go back to caveman days here?
3: So if the delivery man delivers it in a plastic bag with a plastic uh, um, straw, I mean, does he go to prison? Is, it, is Are we at that point?
2: <sighs> Probably. Okay. Excuse me. I'm losing my... That, that set me off. Really? This is one of the reasons, by the way, you know, I used to go to California a lot. And... California, I never, ever wanted to live in California. I have family members and friends. They love California. And I'm always like, why do you love this place? Well, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah, okay, the burnt-up hills are beautiful, I guess, if you like. Earthquakes, fires, mudslides. When it rains there, it's, oh, there, I have some stories today. You know, it finally rained and snowed in Los Angeles. In, in California. And now the environmental wacknoids are beside themselves. Well, not the environmentalists. People are beside themselves because California has been undergoing a severe drought. And I mean severe. So for the past two weeks, they've had storms. And these storms, sadly, because they don't have the infrastructure built up to deal with the fact that it actually rains in California sometimes, in Southern California, people got killed. Right. And so it's a sad thing. But listen to this story from the Los Angeles Times. California suddenly has so much snow. This is from today's L.A. Times. California suddenly has so much snow. But even this extraordinary bounty isn't enough. And so you've got people that now are saying, wow, this is great. We now have more snow than we've had in decades. What should help their drought situation? One of the reasons it's not enough is due to this second story that I have from the L.A. Times from yesterday. Environmental rules stoke anger as California lets precious stormwater wash out to sea. Because of the environmental regulations in California, the state can't even contain the water that it gets from these blessed events like rainfall and snowfall. They can't keep it in reservoirs. They can't keep it so that they can use it. They have to let it to protect the environment. And now even California, some Democrats are even saying out there, what is up with this? We're in a drought. We finally have rain. We finally have snow. And we can't keep the water. You guys haven't, because of environmental regulations, we have to let a lot of the water just run off. And run back into the ocean. And so they've even had enough of some of the wackiness that goes on out there that substitutes for policy. Now, I will say this, and I thought about this, too. For everybody that says they're, uh, you, you know, the, the atheist crowd, that we're all random chance, that that God's hand is not present in our day-to-day affairs, You look at California, California was just months ago. You could dig stories out and I had, I saw them, pulled some of them. The drought was severe. And we're talking in some instances that if something didn't happen, you're talking about a massive failure of crops. You're talking about a massive failure of agriculture that could affect this entire country. And so what happens? we get rain, they get rain, they get snow. Right now, agriculture, these guys must be breathing the biggest sigh of relief. Do not tell me that there is not a creator, that there is not God looking over earth and managing the affairs of the earth to the degree that prayers can be answered because this is the answer of a huge prayer that we don't have a complete failure of the agriculture system in California due to a drought that was truly life-threatening. And it, this, you can say, okay, just coincidence, say that all you want. I will never believe it is just coincidence. Oh, man, I still can't get over this. They're going to ban takeout knives and forks. These are the people in New York who spend their time, this city council in New York. This is the same city council that said, no, we don't want your jobs, Amazon. No, we don't want you to have a headquarters here. And they kept Amazon from creating their headquarters in New York, Amazon. Now Amazon has just invested billions of dollars in Virginia in new data centers. But a headquarters in New York? No, no way. These are the same people, the same city council in New York, these same radical leftists that are running this city that have determined they want to give convicted... They want to give criminals who are accused of doing some of the worst crimes against human beings possible to let them out of jail with no bail. Why? Because they somehow got it in their convoluted thinking that it's racist to actually keep people that have been arrested for serious crimes in jail or to demand that they pay bail. Somehow or another, that's racist. And so as a result, we see crime spiking out of control. And it's not just in New York. I've got another, another story here from Chicago, where you have that Lori Lightfoot woman. Now, you know, Chicago every week, it's like Murder City, USA, crime out of control there, too, like it is in many of the cities where these same Democrats, like the New York City Council, with the same convoluted thinking that somehow they picked up and brainwashed themselves with. What she's saying now, Lori Lightfoot, is that, well, if you're a vendor and you're out in public, one of the ways that we can reduce the crime that you vendors face is for the vendors to stop using cash. That's her answer. Her answer is no, let's not throw the criminals that are committing the crime in jail and put them in jail and make sure they're convicted and keep them in jail. Her answer is you people, you law abiding people are the problem. You are using cash. So you people need to stop using cash. And that'll help reduce the crime. I tell you, folks, these leftists are doing everything they can, pedal to the metal, to destroy the framework of American society. They don't believe in accountability for crime. They don't believe that you should have freedoms, the basic freedoms, even to let, a business sends you a plastic knife and a fork to eat your food with. Your gas stove is a problem, so they want to take that away from you. And in New York, they have. If you are going to try to build new construction, forget about it. You're not allowed to have gas because they don't like natural gas. Here's the story. I was speaking about Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot suggests street vendors ditch cash, ditch cash to combat crime. Chicago's little village saw a 14% increase in robberies in 2022 compared to the previous year. So during a mayoral debate, she says, I've heard a lot of rhetoric here, a lot of sound bites but not a lot of concrete solutions on how we get the job done and make our residents and our workers safe. We are doing it every single day. We've been in Little Village, working with these street vendors, understanding what the nature of crime is, understanding she's understanding what the nature of crime is, like we all don't know what a crime is, like it was some mystery as to exactly what a crime is. We're making sure we do things in concert with them to help them, to make sure that their money is secure. Not use money, if at all possible. Use other forms of transaction to carry themselves. So according to Lori Lightfoot, freaking Democrat progressive, the way to stop robberies is to not use money. She
3: wants the tax. She wants the income tax
2: or the uh, sales tax. Chicago has
3: a 1.25% uh, sales tax. If you don't use cash, guess what? It's traceable. I'm sure a lot of these street vendors aren't paying tax. That's that's the root of what she's what she wants to do that and she can track track all those
2: purchases. But the bigger problem is people are not safe in the city. There's a 14% increase in in robberies. Rather than say we're going to increase law enforcement, We're going to make sure that when we catch these criminals, we keep them in jail until they are tried, or we're going to make the bail if they're repeat offenders, make the bail high enough that they're not going to get out. What does she say? You're the problem. You're using cash. And you all are the problem here in New York. You're the problem. You're using natural gas on your stove. You're the problem. You're asking for plastic knives and spoons and forks when you order your meals from Grubhub. These people never stop. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurly, coming back. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We'll be back more of your phone calls. And, yes, I hope you're ready, Camille. Your turn next.
1: Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snirgley, is on the air. 77 WABC.
2: WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York.
4: To the hard way, seem to be unfair Cause you say That you found
2: This is Stevie from the Talking Book Album, Tuesday Heartbreak, on WABC. Well, I fell in love with this album. I used to play this album over and over and over again. In fact, I wore out my first copy of the album. That was back in the days of vinyl. And, you know, it got so scratched up and everything. I had to go get a new copy and a new copy. And, yeah, Tuesday Heartbreak. And then the CDs came out, and then you're hearing it all again crystal clear like it's brand new. But, yeah, Stevie Wonder, we're playing the Talking Book album. we got to play What's Going On by Marvin Gaye because the anniversary of that release, was yesterday, so we will do that. And one of these days, I mean, that "What's Going On" album, by the way, was a classic album for a reason. And one of these days, we'll do a deep dive into that too. Uh, Camille, Camelia, it is your t- Camelia. Is your husband up listening to you because you were here early, 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 early this morning?
9: Uh, when I got here, I was sleeping, but he was sleeping. But I think he's up now.
2: Well, if he's not up, you need to tell him to get up. <laughs>
9: It's Saturday.
2: <laughs> You're up. You're up doing your okay, Camelia. I've asked you. Everybody has to participate. If you could fix one thing in society, if one thing that you that you want to make better, what would it be, and how would you make it better?
9: It would have to be putting an end to white supremacy and just racism, systemic racism. Um, how would I do that? mm mm-hmm. it's it's really hard first of all, how
2: would you define white supremacy
9: um well, just uh, to be honest, we'd have to kind of break out the mentality that like you know whites are superior or better or who, has I, I, who has that mentality white supremacists <laughs> just, who are they i i don't I don't know them to be honest
2: but can I ask you you don't know them well, can I ask you another question how about black supremacists? do we do the same with them? Like black. there was a, there was a there was a school. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, uh-huh. but I'm going to go with you here. OK, uh-huh. so there was a school board lady in Michigan. And right now there are calls for her to resign. She says white people are evil and blah, 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 blah. And it's the same old racist crap that you would hear from from white. If if a white person said it about a black person, everybody be up and I'm saying, oh, you're horribly racist, blah, blah, blah. But if she if you're black, then you can spout all this anti white stuff and it's not considered racism.
9: No, that I think that should still be considered racism. I think that no one race should try to feel or act like they're superior than the other. Like I don't. So, th-
2: so let me ask you a question about this white supremacist. What if white supremacy stopped you from doing in your life?
9: What has it stopped me from doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I can't really say that I feel personally affected by anything only from uh-huh. what I've been told. It's like what we've been taught. Uh-huh. We've been taught that What's... the reason why we're we're down is because white people made it that way. That's just Did white
2: people do something to you to make you down?
9: Not to my knowledge I haven't personally been affected. I can tell oh. you that. I have not oh. personally been affected like Oh, I met a white person, and they told me I couldn't have a job, or or they or they told me I can't have a certain. Amount of, I've never, I've never experienced that.
2: So it's only what we're being told,
9: right? What we're being told, and then who's and telling you? Just the public society, who's, teachers, who, 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 the the media,
2: oh, the media.
9: Yeah, and just mm. other people, like they mm. just like think about it, right? Because I I have a two year old.
2: Oh, I and do he, think about so it.
9: Mm-hmm. So hasn't, he hasn't gone to school yet to learn anything uh-huh. about, like, you know, black history, slavery, racism. Right now he doesn't know anything about that.
4: Uh-huh. He's, uh-huh.
9: But he's going to go to school, and uh-huh. then, look, next month is Black History Month. They're going to yeah. start to teach him about the past, slavery, yeah. and say, oh, this is what white people did to black people. So it's kind of engraving in your mind that, like, we have been oppressed, and now we need to come out of it and stuff like that. But being born into this world, we know nothing about it until someone yeah. else tells us that this happened.
2: So, have you been oppressed?
9: Not to my knowledge. I don't feel. Okay, I don't so feel then any maybe.
2: Oppression. So then maybe, you know, that when your child gets to school, that they're going to start teaching him to be a victim, or because that's what it is. You know, you're oppressed. You're not as good. Maybe, maybe. I'm, I'm just saying. Maybe you might want to educate your child that they're not a victim and that they can do anything it's in life that, that they, they achieve want. to do because they have great great parents like you and your husband who, you know, stays in bed while you're at work. <laughs> 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 it's Saturday. I know he's getting up to go to work, though, right? right? Yeah. So. Really, you're a good sport. I appreciate you, you talking with us and, and telling
9: no us. No problem
2: all right james golden aka let's head back to the telephones marshall in brooklyn new york welcome
10: oh good morning mr snurdly uh thank you for taking my call and um thank you for all that you're doing uh especially getting a warrior like uh naomi wolf on this past week um that's the first thing the second is is to answer your question if i you know had to change anything what would i change and what would i do well, I just have to say, I got to be honest with you, being that you mentioned God, which is so important, I think that's the first thing that we as a nation have to do. We have to turn back to God. And I think because of the fact that we turned away from God, this is why we're seeing a lot of what we're seeing in our great nation. But not only do we have to turn back to God, but we also have to be proactive as Americans and boots on the ground and let you know, the United States know what we're going to tolerate and what we're not going to tolerate. A lot of this evil that we're seeing is, I believe, because we have turned away from God. And um, just to say this very quickly, and then I'm going to get off the line that you get to the calls in the break, is I am uh, boots on the ground proactive. And I've been um, doing, you know, patriotic, you know, conferences here in New York. And we have one prayer prophets and patriots coming up on February 4th in Jamaica, New York, um, with a lot of different, you know, speakers, Pastor Gwen Joseph, et cetera, and we have the faith leaders that are holding the line, praying for our nation, because our nation needs prayer. We are really at war. Whether we believe it or not, we're at war. And um, as I said, um, Mr. Snerdley, keep on doing what you're doing, um, and we're doing Prayer Prophets Patriots in Jamaica, New York, February 4th, and the website is www.pushpatriots.com and thank you so much and keep holding the line sir God bless
2: Marshall God bless you thank you for your call James Golden aka Snurley time to take a break we are going to come back we are exploring Stevie Wonder's talking book album from back in the day and this is one of my favorite songs on the album this is such an intricate song Stevie's playing drums on this I believe on this track too Oh, yeah, Stevie plays some mean, some wicked drums. Okay. And this song, Quincy Jones did a cover of this song. This is Got It Bad, Girl. I believe, I'm just doing this from memory, so I could, this is Sarita. I think Sarita helped him write the lyrics on this one. Vocals are amazing. From the Talking Book Album, Stevie Wonder.
1: a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC.
2: Stevie Wonder brings us back. From the Talking Book Album, which we are celebrating all day today, this is Very Superstition. Right on the wall. Very Let fall. Now, this song was, so the story goes. Intended for Jeff Beck. He wrote this for Jeff Beck, who was doing an album. Record company Motown heard it said, uh-uh, uh-uh. We're releasing this with you. You don't understand. Yeah, when people are telling you all your life that you should hate this group or hate that group, that, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Superstition. I believe in one race, ladies and gentlemen. One race, the human race. We are all from one race. We are all of one race, the human race. The his way. And in some cases, the devil is here. Okay, let's get to some of the news items on the plate. You might want to call this one karma. Los Angeles hit-and-run driver who plowed into mom and baby in stolen car is murdered after light sentence. 17-year-old who ran over a mother walking her baby in a stroller. That was back in 2001. He received just a few months of diversionary camp. This is part of this whole let the criminals go mentality that the left has brought to America. Well, he was gunned down this week in Palmdale, California. And by the way, I'm not celebrating this just in case anyone gets the wrong idea. I'm just saying, whoa, karma. Christopher Baca, whom Fox News Digital had previously not identified due to his youth, pled guilty to the hit-and-run last year. He swerved his car. He hit this woman and her baby. And they said, ah, just, you know, we'll send you a few months. Go go to a diversionary camp. You're not going to do any jail time for it. Well, deputies found him dead with gunshots wounds in the Palmdale driveway, sources close to the investigation said he had been at a fast food restaurant. I wonder if they gave him forks. Um, He was trying to get a girl. As he walked home alone, a car pulled up next to him. Argument broke out. Someone in the vehicle opened fire. Sped away. He dated. He deaded. He deaded now. Ah. This was one of the cases that turned a lot of people against los angeles Di- Di- district attorney George Gasson. They f- sought a five to seven month sentence in a juvenile probation camp after he hit the mother and her and the baby in a hit and run incident. He was already at that time on felony probation for poisoning a high school girl's drink. He was on probation from trying to poison a girl. He had a stolen vehicle. He speeds down a wrong, the wrong way down a runway back street, plows into this woman and her infant son, and they send him to a diversionary camp. He also had a little marijuana in the car at the, time, of course, but, you know, marijuana, whatever. Here's a story I started to talk about yesterday. I was too disgusted with the story to do much detail in it. It's back in the news today, so I suppose I better do it. A gay couple from Georgia has been charged with molesting their two adopted sons and using them to record child pornography. They also allegedly pimped out the two adopted sons to members of a local pedophile ring, according to a disturbing new report. This story broke in Town Hall. William Dale Zulock, 33 years old, and Zachary Jacoby Zulak, their husband and husband, 35 years old, used social media to prostitute their two elementary age sons. William Zulak, a government worker, and Zachary Zulak, a banker, were indicted in August last year on charges of incest, aggravated sodomy, aggravated child molestation, felony sexual exploitation of children, and felony prostitution of a minor. But the shocking investigation reveals more in detail the sickening abuse the boys suffered. For the first time, it revealed that the men allegedly pimped out their older sons, now 11 and 9 years old, to two other men in a pedophile ring. One of those men, Hunter Clay Lawless, Hunter Clay Lawless, 27 years old, told investigators that Zachary, whose Instagram bio describes him as Papa to our two wonderful boys, And an activist invited him multiple times to take part in sexually abusing the boys. However, Mr. Lawless says he never had any physical contact with either child. Lawless also claimed that Zachary sent him multiple messages on Snapchat including one that allegedly read, I'm going to F my son tonight, stand by, along with images of him sexually abusing the 11-year-old. The two men were arrested on charges of soliciting an act of prostitution with the 11-year-old boy according to the indictment. It is unclear whether Lawless and Armando Vicario Sanchez had any physical interactions with the boys. The Zulaks, who lived in Oxford, a fluent suburb of uh, Atlanta, adopted the children from a Christian special needs adoption agency. They were in the third and fourth grade when their adoptive fathers were arrested last summer. Deputies responding to reports that a man was downloading child porn raided the home in Loganville, where they found evidence the pair were engaging in sexually abusive acts and video documenting the abuse. The government worker, one of these, admitted to forcing one of his sons to perform oral sex on him. To Okay. Sa- The couple had been active in the local LGBTQ community. Prominent LGBTQ publication Out Magazine reportedly asked to feature their photos on its website. I want to make clear that this is not an indictment against gay married couples. I want to make that clear. And that's not the intent of bringing this up. You have horrific abuses that happen in heterosexual families as well. I just think it's an indictment on an adoption agency. Apparently, one of these men there's a new story out today one of these married men that was abusing these boys accused of abusing another boy. And the police kind of let that one go. And nobody's vetting these men. Apparently. Apparently. (sighs) Let's take a break. We'll come back. We've got more news straight ahead. Don't go away.
1: Excellence, James Golden, AKA Bo Snerdley on 77 WABC.
2: All right, now we get to Jeff Beck. Your name is Big Brother Stevie Wonder.
4: You say that you
2: Boy, is this ever relevant.
4: You say that you're tired of me protesting Children dying every day Say you're
2: tired of me protesting while children are dying every day.
4: My name is nobody But I can't wait to see your face inside my door oh
2: multi talented Stevie Wonder. Your name is Big Brother. From the Talking Book Album. You say that you got
4: me all in the mud. Writing it down every day. Your name is, I'll see you. Your name is, I'll see you. Change if you
2: vote me in as a I'll change if you vote me in as
4: I'll change if you vote me in
2: as president of your soul
4: I live in the ghetto you just come to visit me round election
2: time I live in the ghetto you just come to visit me round election time yeah That's from the Talking Book album. Let's head back to the telephone, shall we? Ed in Staten Island, welcome. Thank you for holding.
8: Oh, good morning. How are you, Bo?
2: I'm doing fine, thank you.
8: All right, so let's talk about the budget deficit. Do you know what baseline budgeting is?
2: Of course I know what baseline budgeting is. Rush explained it to everybody.
8: You You got to get rid of that. And right. then you reduce spending 2% every year. Well, don't just year. say, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa, stop. Whoa, whoa, don't whoa, whoa, just, me... I know it. No, no, no. You tell everybody else that doesn't know what baseline budgeting is. Tell them what it is.
8: It's the budget automatically increased to 7% every year, with regardless of what the, the economy does.
2: Okay, right? now, folks, you're. it's, okay, let me just give a very brief explanation to top, to top on top of yours. Whenever Democrats or whenever Congress, like we just spent $1.7 trillion in this omnibus budget bill. So this is already on top of the money we were already spending. We are now, the American government is now $31.5 trillion in debt. In other words, we have borrowed 31. Point five trillion trillion over the years to cover the spending. And we just spent another $1.7 trillion, which is why all of a sudden we've got a, another debt ceiling problem, because now we've hit the debt ceiling again. Now, what Ed is saying here is right.
8: Do I get According to
2: baseline budgeting, it is the law by law Next year, we have to spend even more. We have to increase the budget to the rate of inflation. I think it's the rate of inflation. We have to increase it every single year. There are never any years where the government, by law, has to say, oops, we spent too much money, we have to cut it back. No, we have to provide automatic increases. You, ladies and gentlemen, cannot run your business this way. You can't run your house this way. Oh, we spent this much next year. Well, we automatically have to increase the rate next year. It is economic insanity. The way that this Congress and the way that all Congresses, ever since this baseline budgeting was passed by Democrats, has affected this country. This is the reason why our spending is out of control. One of the central reasons. I interrupted you. Now go ahead and continue.
8: All right. On. All right. Then you you, you 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 follow that with a 2% capital uh, budget cut on every department for the next 50 years, and then you will have a balanced budget. And then you should get rid of the Department of Energy because they don't produce any energy. Exactly. And, you know – you know, I, I I got a bone to pick with one of your co-hosts, Anthony Weiner, in his promos he said, if I'm, if I'm only telling half the story you tell me, and he brags about how the oil companies have like over 7,000 drilling permits, but the Bureau of Land Management doesn't give them the permit to build infrastructure. No temporary housing, no uh, access roads, no pipelines, no uh, uh, medical facilities, no fire safety facilities, and the Department of Energy denied them like a thirty-year guarantee that they wouldn't cancel the project. So what good is a is an oil permit if the government's going to cancel it eighteen months into the project? I mean, this is a multi-year thing. And well, it's not you. It's, you know, it's it's, it's Anthony Weiner who's a who's You got to call liar. Mr.
2: Weiner. I look, I don't want look. Come on, let's be. Let's call Ms. You call Mr. Weiner and you have that discussion with him. I don't like the idea of calling people liars. And, I mean, if you think that he's not telling the truth, you can tell him that, too. But don't use my program to call the guy names. Okay, please don't. Mr. Weiner sat in for me and was very respectful of me and this audience while he sat in over the holidays. I would like for us to be civil with each other, even with the people that we disagree with, vehemently disagree with. I'll leave it there. But you make some really valid points about especially what it would take to get back to a balanced budget. And, folks, this economic reality of baseline budgeting is, you like I said, if you ran a business like this, they'd have your butt in jail because you are violating every best practice in accounting. This is not the way to not only run a business, a household, or anything else. It is absolutely absurd. Scott, it's your turn. I'm saying you for last Diego. It's your turn. If you could fix anything,
3: I would go with immigration. But somebody already went with immigration, but I would I would I I think that the fact that we don't enforce immigration law a fact from the uh, apart from the fact that it greatly contributes to dysfunction in our culture because it, it stops us from being able to have a unified society that it paves the road for a lot of people to feel that they don't need to obey other laws that we have on the books because if if we're not enforcing that particular, that law at all, why am I selectively being enforced against to, you know, have to obey traffic lights or not shoplift or, or any number of things?
2: So how would you fix it?
3: I would do almost exactly what the what the caller said. I, I I think you well first you stop it. You get the wall up. I don't think you know people. Well, oh, they'll just dig under the wall. Well, it's a lot easier to dig under a, or to prevent somebody or monitor people that are digging under a wall than it is just to walk across the desert. So I think because you you they would congeal to certain crossing points, and you'd have a lot easier time controlling that. I also and I think that the deportation. Um, argument is fine, too. I, I was I had a knockdown drag-out argument with a liberal friend of mine that I was surprised that I had in 2004 when we were going on a camping trip, because that was during the time when George W. Bush was talking about lining up all the buses, you know, we, let's just get them on buses and ship them out. Well, he said, like, well, you'd have to line them up from San Diego to Vancouver, there'd be so many buses. We can't do that. Why not? Sure we can yeah we can do anything we put our minds to i mean this, this nation it, it, to say that you can't deport the people that are here you absolutely can and you don't need to provide a path to citizenship for illegal aliens that doesn't make any sense why would why would i reward someone for breaking the laws in the first place when this we didn't have 90% of the problems that we have now and obviously that's not a scientific number but um prior to the 60s when we just stopped enforcing any sort of immigration and and just opened everything up um i i would say that we were a lot more able to cope with the issues that we were dealt with on a daily basis as a society so i think you i i agree 100% with the caller
2: okay let me tell you where i think there's going to be some, you would have some problems with all of this and let me just be real frank about this look i am i support law enforcement i think what you're First of all, we've never had a unified country. I just want to say for the record, and America will never be, quote-unquote, a unified country. We have been arguing with each other since before the country was formed. We will be arguing with each other for the, till the end of all time, human nature. That said, if you do not have a state that enforces the law equally, you start running into problems. And this is where Americans think that, there's been, they see uh, one set of laws for themselves and they feel like second class citizens in their own country because we don't have a set of laws that, that are enforced for this particular class of people, illegal immigrants. And so, yeah, problematic. As for mass deportations on the scale that you're talking about, it will never happen. We do not have the law enforcement capability to do it. And, and, and we don't have the political will to do it. And thirdly, if you ever try to do it, one of the things that you're going to have to face intellectually is the fact that where do you stop? Because people have been coming into this country illegally for well over a century. And you just better not stop with Mexico and no, Central you America. St- if
3: you have citizenship, if you have permanent residency, if you have a work permit, if you have a visa, you're
2: good. If you don't, you go. It's that that simple. Boom. We we have the laws. Boom. We have the laws. It's kind of like we have the meats. We have the laws. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, our duo in the can. In the next hour, we're going to call Rhonda. In the next hour, we're going to talk to Naomi Wolf. In the next hour, Diego's turn. What would he fix? In the next hour, your calls. We're going to do all of that on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. But we're going to stop first for the news and plastic spoons and forks. And we'll be right back.
1: It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
2: Lander, I'll tell you what you missed. You just heard it there. Danny reported once again they're coming after your stuff. They're coming after your knives. They're coming after your plastic forks that you get with your takeout order. Not only that, they don't want you to have any condiments. No ketchup packets for you. No, no mustard packages for you. No mayonnaise. It's too much stuff. It hurts the environment if you have to have stuff with your order. These people, these so called, pol- these, these elected, le- this is New York City Council. A raving bunch of authoritarian tyrants, and the only thing between this bill becoming law and you having more of your freedoms of choice denied is if Adam signs this bill or not. Thank you for that addition, Danny. That's real important to know. There's a way to stop this, and I'm not going to say, "Oh, call cool, the mayor." Who knows whether. He, The mayor's too busy partying most of the time to even listen. He doesn't care whether you're getting mugged in the streets, thrown on the subway tracks, apparently by the lack of action that we've seen from this mayor to deal with serious crime. What makes you think he's going to care about your food, whether you're going to have plastic utensils, or whether these business owners are going to be charged $400 because they have violated some environmental wacko nonsense from New York City Council? from these roving band of lunatics, political lunatics that are on New York City Council that don't want you to have a plastic fork or a plastic knife because it'll hurt the environment. Meanwhile, they don't care With people with real knives are sticking them in you. They let them out of jail. They don't care whether your business is going to go under. They don't care if you, they, they don't care if they stick you with a COVID jab. In fact, if you don't get their COVID jab, they're not out there saying you can store. No, no, no. We have this mandate. This is, this is insanity. So many healthcare workers in New York, the heroes, heroes who actually worked through COVID when there was no cure, when it wasn't even known how it was transmitted. These people didn't have vaccinations, but they risked their lives to go to work and to help all of us get through COVID. And then what does the city government do? What They turn around and tell them, oh, well, you have to get a vaccine. Otherwise, you're going to lose your job. Unless you're an athlete, then you can come, never mind the mandate then. If you're a real high-priced athlete and you want to come to New York to bounce a ball, well, then never mind our laws. But if if you happen to work in the city hospitals, if you happen to work and put your life at risk, unless you agree to put this substance in your body that hasn't been fully vetted and tested, if you have health issues, they don't even want to know from that. They demand you do, oh, yeah, stick that in yourself. But now you can't be trusted with a plastic knife because it's going to hurt your environment. These people are lunatics. This defies common sense. This is a good point for us to listen to the interview we did earlier with Dr. Naomi Wolf. Now, again, Naomi Wolf is politically... You would have to say she was on the, she is, I don't know whether she still is, but she was huge on the left. Doesn't matter. This woman is so brilliant. And I don't want to go on and on about it. Let's just listen to the interview that we did earlier this week with Dr. Naomi Wolf. With us, and we are very pleased to have Dr. Naomi Wolf with us. How are you, Dr. Wolf?
11: Uh, I'm good, and what an honor and delight to be speaking with you. I appreciate it.
2: Well, you know, I really appreciate it. We're in such a polarized world these days, and I just have to tell you that although you and I probably have many disagreements politically, I've always respected you as an intellectual giant, and you are. Your body of works is just incredible. I am distressed, Dr. Wolf, that these days so many people are labeling you a conspiracy theorist because you dare speak out. On especially on the subject of you spoke out about the COVID lockdowns, you spoke up about the vaccines, and for that your reward is getting suspended and uh, from Twitter, they posed, they suspended your account and now we're learning exactly who is behind all these suspensions. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's it's pretty sad. It's pretty sad what is happening to free speech in this country.
11: Well I, I do agree with you. Um may I call you both? Of course. Thank you. Please call me Naomi. I do agree with you um, of all of the horrible uh, stories of this very sad time in American history. The death of free speech and the intimidation of open discussion is is probably the most damaging because, you know, our founders put the First Amendment first because every other right and and privilege of liberty that we have depends on our being able to speak openly to each other Um, and. Yeah, I don't like I don't care personally that I'm being smeared if the, you know, the alternative is to keep silent and and watch as, um, you know, children and elderly people and pregnant women are being injured and damaged and, and are are our institutions are being kind of taken over by people who are not accountable to us and and are not transparent with us. It's more important to tell the truth and and save lives. But I guess the thing I would say about your your introductory comments is what's really heartbreaking is that I'm being called a conspiracy theorist for engaging in journalism, just like I have for 35 years. And uh, it's really scary that, um, you know, for people just asking questions about what's in these injections or you know why are we locking people down now when we've had many more serious waves of illness and never suspended freedoms to assemble um you know in, in in most of the country um or or you know why should pregnant women uh put something in their bodies that no one will be answerable for that have never had completed trials um those are very basic questions in a democracy or even questions like you know, let's count the vote or, you know, let's make sure that what we're being told happened by our uh, our institutions really happened. Um, you know, now that's being uh, almost criminalized, or, or at least people have to pay terrible consequences. It is it is a much more like a closed society right now than an open society, and that is really scary.
2: When I uh, started looking at what we were being told by our government about covid Mm. and what was available if you went to other sources, I Mm. was stunned by the differences. And then I got COVID. I nearly died from it. And thank God I did not go into a hospital. I had a frontline doctor. And Mm. my frontline doctor prescribed me a medicine that had been ridiculed after um, it didn't, ivermectin made me horribly nauseous, so she took me Mm. off that. And then she put me on hydroxychloroquine. And within a few hours of taking hydroxychloroquine, everything changed for me, and I was on the upswing. And I'll tell you, I was near death. Okay.
11: God. Oh, so, if yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry.
2: No, go, no, go ahead.
11: Thank you. I was just going to say, if you had gone into a hospital, um, the protocols are, are literally murderous. I mean, between ventilation and remdesivir, um, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, but so many people have died unnecessarily because of um, of, of of treatments, you know, treatment protocols that that clearly are more murderous um, than than not. And it's so shocking that medications like the ones you took that clearly save lives have been you know, criminalized and kept out of people's hands. Yeah, go ahead.
2: So then I started looking at it further. Number one, I had talked to people in the intelligence community about the sources of of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And you're, you are a journalist, as you said, and you are extremely well-educated. You look, you to me' it's impeccable, you're one of the most brilliant thinkers that this country has produced, right when you look at covid let's do we know has the American public been told the truth about the origins of covid nineteen
11: huh. well, no <laughs> um, one thing that that uh i mean remember when the questions about the lab leak and people yes. saying wait did it really get transmitted by a bat in a wet market those were labeled conspiracy theories right anything and I hope people are seeing through this tactic by now, you know, anything that goes against uh, the agenda narrative or raises questions about it is called wacky. Um, but in fact, the People's liberation army is in that facility and all science in China is overseen by the Chinese communist party. There's no such thing as non-weaponized, non national security oriented, you know, science or, or medicine in, in China. So, um, I don't know, uh, you know, whether the lab lab leak of this virus was intentional or not, but um, I do know that there wasn't a transparent investigation and sending Peter Dajak to be the one investigating, um, and you know now we know from emails that got uh, disclosed through a FOIA that Dr. Fauci and Francis Collins were were aligning to smear um, critics of uh, of lockdowns, for instance, or to even smear and derail questions about about the um, the virus originating from from Wuhan. But I I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that, um, and I, I point this out in the bodies of others, my book, that the There was high level coordination from the very start to manage the uh, pandemic in a way that suited big tech and suited entities like the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization, and it suited uh, nonprofits like Bill Gates, and as well as heads of state. And I, I trace all of this in my book, but the bottom line is they wanted to remake our world, and they've largely succeeded. I mean, thank God there's a resistance, but they wanted to create a world in which tech was in charge of us. You know, all those tech companies that benefited from lockdowns, ranging from Amazon to uh, Nintendo to Zoom, you know, they're all up 20 to 23 percent net revenue, whereas mom and pop shops, um, you know, small businesses, small landlords, uh, they've had to close their doors. There's been a massive transfer of wealth and also, you know, the the rise of the surveillance state, you know, the push for vaccine passports, which was successful in many parts of the world. We fought really hard against them in the United States. That's you know, that was part of the uh, clearly orchestrated plan to create a kind of 360 degree CCP style social credit score. And they're still trying to push that through with, you know, biometrics and, um, and, and harvesting our data, every opportunity. I mean, that they're not done. you know they're moving on to climate change as a way to which I believe in of course as a way to kind of monitor and surveil us. But their goal is a world you know it's a war on humanity and it's a war on the next generation. It's a war on the family and it's, it's literally a war on the things that, that give human beings empowerment and one of them is obviously liberty, um, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. I, I do want to say one more thing in my brief time with you, which is that people should know, you know, when they're trying to assess, are they being lied to? I'm privileged to oversee a project of 3,500 experts ranging from Physicians and RNs to biostatisticians, medical fraud investigators, um, clinicians, research scientists, and they 3,500 of them are, are going through the 55,000 documents that Pfizer had to release under court order and that the FDA tried to keep hidden for 75 years. In, in, and they've produced 50 reports that are easy to read, and these, we've released these in an ebook on our website at dailyclout.io. And I bring this up because the the crimes against human beings that are that the FDA knew about, the White House knew about, Pfizer knew about, that are documented in this book are are shocking and stunning, and just very. You know, very briefly, you know, it's a massive attack on human reproduction um, because Pfizer knew that th- these injections would harm everything from um, men's uh, men's testosterone levels to the motility of sperm to uh, women's ovaries, disrupt their menstrual cycles, um, uh, destabilize the placenta, and um, poison breast milk. I mean, I'm sorry to be so truncated, but that is the bottom line. And also they covered up, you know, mass murder. 1,200 deaths 61 deaths from stroke, half of the strokes within 48 hours after the injection, five people dead of liver damage, half of those liver events after, you know, 24 to 48 hours after the injection, 35 teens, you know, injured with heart damage a week after the injection um, and they kept it quiet, you know, while there was a big push to inject teens and on and on and on, a massive attack on humanity, again, especially on the West disproportionately um, and, and literally the attack goes into to um, affecting babies that are not yet born and, and, and uh, rising, well, up to 20% drops in live births around the world right now, and we know why. So all of this is detailed in, in this ebook, and and, you know, it, with the very sources, the very primary sources that Pfizer sought to keep hidden uh, that you can click right through and see for yourself. So, uh, you know, this is honestly the worst thing that's happened to humanity since World War II, and, and people really do need to see it.
2: I call this the worst crisis, the worst scandal in human history because of the sheer number of people that it's affected. I, we're out of time for right now. I didn't even get a chance to talk to you about this new rising uh, thing called sudden death, suddenly no. died, which is right. a, happening all over the world to people in younger demographics that are healthy, and it has spiked. Uh, the rates of, of, of deaths. It is there is clearly something going on in our societies that needs to be discussed. And again, I'm very careful. I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying there's a causation here. But all of a sudden, when you have young athletes dying all over the world and you have young people that, quote unquote, suddenly die, then we ought to be asking ourselves, why is this happening?
11: Of course. And just to, before I, I, I let you go, I just want to say in the SEC filing in 2021, uh, Pfizer BioNTech told the SEC that collapsing so hard, you can hurt yourself is a side effect of the injection. But they didn't tell us. Right. And that's exactly what you're seeing around the world. People dropping dead, collapsing. And we know the mechanism now. We understand it, that the the number of blood clots in the Pfizer documents, uh, strokes, hemorrhages is astronomical off the charts. We, We know what's happening. It's these mRNA injections. I'm not a medical doctor, but, you know, we have we have the mechanism. We have the cause. We have the effect. And the fact that this is not front-page news around the world is a scandal and we do have to act like human beings and stand up for human beings and say we're not gonna let our young people our elders our children unborn babies pregnant women you know get get destroyed by this thing we're going to speak up for the human race
2: Naomi Wolf you are an amazing human being I hope this is the first of many conversations that you and I have I want to do a longer a podcast with you, if we can both make time to do it, where we can spell this out in detail and in depth for as long as it takes.
11: Yeah, I would love that. It's so important, and I appreciate you giving me the chance. I'd love to talk to you at greater length whenever you can. Thank you. Let's do okay. that.
2: Naomi Wolf, ladies and gentlemen, James Golden, A.K. Snurley, coming back. Your call's coming up on WABC. eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc is the number to call, 848 wabc We've yet to hear from Rhonda. We're going to check in with Rhonda. We're going to check in with Diego on his uh, solutions for a vexing issue facing society and you. So don't go away. Coming right back.
1: Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC.
2: David, wonder talking book album we've been celebrating all day. This, blame it on the sun. The guitar work, uh, guitar work of Jeff Beck. Stevie wonder from the talking book album this week also January 20th which was yesterday in 1971 think about that 1971 we heard this song for the first time My
4: mother, there's too many of you to cry. brother 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 there's far too many of you die. You know we've got to find
2: a way. You got to find a way
4: to bring some loving here today. Yeah. Father, Father. We don't need to escalate.
2: James Jameson on the base.
4: Sister. don't punish me Sister. with brutality Sister.
2: talk to me so you can see let's head back to the telephone shall we robert in suffolk county welcome to our saturday morning radio extravaganza how are you robert What's up, Hi, Robert? Good morning, James. Good morning. Okay. Your turn.
8: I have I have what I think is a good plan that will help
2: our economy. And what is that plan? All right. Let me pull this up here. Uh-oh. Sounds like he's going to come with a book. What's the plan? What We're all anxiously uh, waiting. Harry. What's the plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? All right. What's the plan? What's the plan?
8: I am I'm, I'm
2: scrolling Robert,
8: down
2: for We're going to put yes. you on hold, Robert. You find the plan. We're coming back. We're going to come back to you and get the plan. What's the plan? In the meantime, let's go to John in Staten Island. How are you, John? How are you, John? What's the plan?
6: Well, I don't know if I spoke to you after New Year's, but um, my point of trying to fix the country, let's just yep. say what it is. They keep printing the money. You can't do it. We don't have it. You're telling them this is the opportunity, the world of opportunity, but the UN and WEF and everybody else is, is paying people from 150 countries to get 250,000 people in one month here. That cannot be done. Even if you were a simple immigrant trying to cross the country, this is being funneled in through UN, WEF, globalist money. And then we should stop giving the UN money because they're using our money to send people here so they can get cheap labor, cheap votes. And on top of that, pardon me, I was just eating my breakfast. Um, what are the, we having uh, for
2: breakfast this morning?
6: Hot sausage with eggs and mushrooms and onions.
2: Boom. You having coffee with that, or are you just like, you know? Mm. Well, I take actually two fresh
6: orange juices that they have in the store, <clears throat> and I throw them in a blender, Add one teaspoon of sugar and a lot of water, and you got your own orange juice. Because I don't know. Somebody says the pulp and the orange juice may not be pulp. So I'm going with the natural stuff.
2: If the pulp and the orange juice isn't pulp, then we are all in trouble. But anyway. <laughs> I
6: don't even know what they're using. Well, the thing okay. is this. Uh, yeah. My point, I was going to talk about Ray. Ray showed up at the WEF telling people about how uh, – know, oh, telling the elite how the FBI is helping out the WEF. Uh, I would say every person on every phone call, call every other person, and you know, get congressional hearings Monday. Get uh, Ray up in front of Congress, subpoena him, and say, what did you tell, did you tell to the WEF? You're in charge of protecting American citizens. Not doing the world economic functions orders. All right, I want to know exactly. Let me what just talk do-
2: briefly. This thing with Davos has, Davos has been has been rich for things that need to happen afterwards. Do you know the head of Pfizer was at Davos, and a reporter tried to question him about what he knew and what they knew about the vax? He totally just have a nice day and refused to answer any questions that was one of the things i mentioned at davos they had a special command performance from sting microsoft did you know i wonder how much money it cost sting to get out and perform for the microsoft executives at davos and then the next day they let go of 10,000 people at davos as john here said fbi director for christopher ray shows up what the heck is our fbi director doing at Davos. Davos is the collection of the elite liberals around the world, except when Donald Trump showed up and told them to their faces that he was opposed to their globalist agenda, which was amazing. Anyway, we got to go to a break here. WABC Talk Radio 77 coming back. More your calls. Rhonda and Diego and more. All of us hanging in here for the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't go away.
1: Rock Radio 77 W.A.B.C. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 W.A.B.C.
2: Stevie. From the Talking Book album. The guitar handiwork of Dave. Jeff Beck
4: tears of sorrows came before me in my mind. I had no problems, never a problem in my life, never a Before today were happy and secure
2: Looking for another Pure Love. That's Stevie Wonder. Time to do a mix. Because this week, the music industry lost a giant. This, of course, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. many stories celebrating the life of David Crosby. So many. New York Times, Washington Post, everywhere around the mainstream media, and, of course, every single music publication. He's one of those artists that we're going to have to just do a special podcast of Remember. So they're adding up here, folks. And this doesn't feel good to me. We're losing so many giants. Just in the past few weeks, Jeff Beck, Dave Crosby, you have... Tom Bell, who I still I'm heartbroken over Tom Bell. I'm really heartbroken over all of them, but Tom Bell in particular, because I uh anyway. Right now, America's Small Caffeinated Mom, Rhonda Schrock joins us. Hello, Rhonda. Hey James, how are you <laughs> I'm okay. You're out there in the heartland, out there with all the chickens and the. You sent me a great picture this week. I loved it. Of uh, we, we wouldn't see this. No one in the city knows what would recognize this. We don't have this in the city. The the Amish can pull up with their horse and here rope your horse around. What is that thing called that they? It's a stand of. What is that?
12: Oh, the photo I sent you, yes, um, there are certain businesses or places in town that will build, like, small lean-tos so that they can pull their horses and buggies in under a roof for shelter.
2: A lean-to? A lean-to? A
12: A lean-to, that's what we call it. Like, one of our local Walmarts has a long one so that there's room for quite a number of buggies. Um, our chiropractor actually has a, sh- a short hitching post in his parking lot because so many of his patients are Amish, and so it just provides them a place to tie up their horses. This is this is co- a common sight in this area. Wow.
2: Yeah. Wow. It's very wow. different, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different. Now I sent you a story that I did not have time for because. I did, I could not do the story in depth because of the constraints of time. And I said, you know who would, who I would love to have report on this story is Rhonda. So what's the story, Rhonda?
12: Oh, that that's a delightful story, James. I've always loved a good story, and this is a good story. Uh, it comes from Alabama, a little tiny town of about 900 people, uh, just an ordinary, ordinary Alabama farmer. His name was Hody Childress. He was an Air Force veteran, you know, just a husband, a dad who felt like his tractor was his therapy, you know, and he would use his tractor to help his neighbors prepare their gardens. He loved doing that, according to one of his family members. He would share his own produce, just salt of the earth. Well, Hody died on January 1st of this year, so three weeks ago. But just before he died, uh, he was very ill through the holiday season, and he called his daughter to him one day, and he said, look, I have been taking in a $100 bill to the pharmacy and giving it to the pharmacist every month. First of the month, I'm not going to be able to deliver it this time. Would you please take in this $100 bill? For 10 years, James, he had been doing that every month and nobody in town and none of his family members knew that he was doing this. He swore the pharmacist to secrecy. He told her to use it for people who were having trouble paying for their prescriptions and he told her that if anyone were to ask her where it came from, she was only supposed to tell them that it was a little blessing from God. Isn't that so sweet? And she kept her word and she kept his secret until he died three weeks ago, and then she was able to tell the story. Now, what I thought was really neat was that the town took hold of his idea. They kind of took the baton, and they set up a fund for people to donate to so that that bit of help can be continued. So even though that farmer and veteran is gone, James, his legacy lives on, I That was so encouraging to me, and here's why. It's easy to get jaded. You you talk about a lot of hard stories, and it's just a dog and pony show in Washington, but a story like this just reminds me that all across this country, there are ordinary Americans like Mr. Childress who practice what I call the hidden art of kindness. Away from the lights, away from the cameras, away from the selfie sticks, they just do good for the sake of good, because it's loving and right and true. And they make a difference in other Americans' lives. And I just love that. This is what I love about my people.
2: This is what I love about America, too. And you know what? I didn't hear anything about, oh, only give it to certain types of people, only do this. There's no stipulations except that someone in need, give to someone in need. That was his only stipulation, right?
12: Yes. And isn't that a lovely principle to live by, to look for those in need and give what we have? $100 probably isn't a lot of money for some people, but I have a hunch that for him, maybe it was a lot of money. And so when you give what you have to someone who needs it, it makes all the difference in the world.
2: I'll tell you who it's a lot of money for. It's a lot of money for someone that came in ill, that didn't have the money. It's a uh, lot of money for someone that came in with a sick child and wanted to know how to pay for
12: exactly.
2: Their yeah medicine
12: uh, that's
2: what it's a lot of money for, and you know what that uh, this is who this is the best of who we are as Americans. A little small town here we don't even we, we wouldn't even know where to find it on a map. A little small town here in Alabama. And this is this man and what he did for a decade with no one knowing.
12: Mm. Which shows just such a humility, you know, and a depth of character. I don't need the applause. I don't need the attention. I don't need, you know, the 500 likes on Facebook because of what I've done. I'm just doing it because I want to help someone else. That, That inspires me to be a better person. I've been thinking on this story for the last two days. It's just lovely. You know, George Bush, George Bush Jr. During his presidency, he had a program called a thousand points of light. Do you remember that?
2: I do. It
12: just made me think of that, you know, in his way, in his town, with his means, he was a point of light to his fellow townspeople. I love that.
2: Me too. Rhonda, my darling, thank you so much. We'll catch up with you next week at some point. Thank you, okay. America's <laughs> But you have to tell people before you go where they can find you. America's small caffeinated mom, where can people find you writing?
12: Rhondashrock.com. dot com. Come join me.
2: Spell your last name.
12: Oh yes, Shrock S C H R O C K. There are one C shrocks and there are two C shrocks. That's what I call it. We're the two C shrocks.
2: <laughs> All right. Yes,
12: I, I would I'd love to have them join join me over there and hey we'll talk later james
2: thank you Rhonda. james golden aka snorley your calls are going to take us home here as our saturday morning well yes our radio extravaganza hey time's running out on it we got to do as much as we can diego you're up next so be ready james golden aka snorley we'll be right back
1: Talk Radio
2: 77
1: W.A.B.C. Oh knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 W.A.B.C.
2: Wrapping up with the final selection from the Talking Book album of Stevie Wonders, which we've been celebrating all day today, I believe... When I fall in love this time, it'll be forever.
4: Shattered dreams, worthless years, here am I encased inside a hollow shell, life began. many sounds that meet our ears, the sights our eyes behold, will open up our merging hearts and feed our empty souls.
2: All right, Diego, last up, solutions. What's the deal? What's the problem? What's the fix? Oh, man. Okay.
13: It's my turn. Uh, I want to talk about, say, um, issues for just this country or the world, or just in general.
2: Go for it. For the universe. Mm. For universe. everybody.
13: Yeah. Um, the topic that uh, first came to mind, first comes to mind, um, is uh Hunger me um because well i grew up watching live aid uh that's how i got into music that's how i got um uh, the fire in me to i i saw you know uh, freddie mercury on that stage i saw all those on that stage uh, i had the dvd box set and um i would love that and then uh i was i think i was five or six i was very young my dad was like here watch this and he he uh, we usually skipped over the um, the BBC coverage of Ethiopia, and he uh, he got me to watch that, and it completely changed my way. Like this is how some people live, and it 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 shocked me, and um, I this is, I don't want to say it traumatized me, uh, but like it definitely it def- it definitely was a shock and. You know, growing up I, I, I always wonder like how like how things are going, like are um what the images are really shocked me were the the children. You know, the children to me are you know innocent. They they can't really work, they gotta they gotta study, they gotta they study to, to get the work later in life. So I don't know um what they can do. So um and during the <laughs> during the uh Okay, so we got World Hunger. Yeah. How do you solve <laughs> it? <laughs> that's what that's what I was getting to during the um, the last hour. I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about this. How do I? Get... So I've been Googling how much would it cost to end world hunger, and here's some numbers for you: 37 billion every year until 2030.
2: For dropping the that's a drop in the bucket for what we spend. Yeah, in United that's a drop in the bucket for what we waste. Yeah. I'm not kidding that no, no. We, the pentagon has has cannot account for way more money than that in just one government agency of money that's been allocated mm-hmm. There was a story recently and yeah. you're saying thirty seven billion dollars could completely end world hunger. Yes, that's what I'm saying,
13: and I don't know. The thing is, it doesn't affect everyone. So not everyone's gonna be like, okay, yeah, let's do it. People are gonna people are gonna question like, what, like, why, why should I care? It's not happening to me, you know.
2: Can I just, and times, I want to get to calls before we go, so I'm gonna cut, <laughs> cut, cut, cut you short. But I just okay. want to say something to you. That when you say, why do I care? It doesn't happen to me. I remember the first time I went to Tijuana. Okay, I will never forget this as long as I live, ever. I saw a little girl wandering the streets by herself. And to me, she looked to be no more than four or five years old. There was no adult in sight. And she was just wandering the streets with her hand out, crying, begging. And I thought to myself, what in the hell kind of world is this? And what you're saying is the same thing to me. It's everybody, but you know what here's the good news, Diego. everybody doesn't have to care, just enough people do have to care that's good to fix it
13: yeah unfortunately the the also growing up in Mexico the entire not the entire country, but a lot of there are a lot of bad parts down there unfortunately um and yeah uh baby steps, I think is my final answer to how um I don't know I don't know how um, people might agree with this but like lunch debt lunch debt in schools is a thing that people are debating right now and um, going back to going back to my uh, previous statement of you know kids are kids gotta edu- gotta learn they they need education to get through life I think you know I think in Nelson Mandela said that education is 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 the salvation and um, you know I think I think we've got to we should do a little bit more to, to help these. Well, kids get you, it. you're a musician.
2: <laughs> you're a musician. You have yes. albums, and you. So, if that inspired you, now I'm going to challenge mm-hmm. you. Okay. You're a musician. You say you want to do this. Come on, step up to the plate. And now, okay. next, tell us how you, as a musician, a working musician, are going to start to make this happen in baby steps. That's a good one for next week. For next week, okay. Let's get back to the telephones, <laughs> shall we? Thank you, Diego. Let us go to a boat in Trumbull, Connecticut. How are you?
5: Uh, my golden years have been turned to rust. But Mr. Snurdly, the nice young lady that was talking about white supremacy, but she knows it's out there but hasn't seen it because she's been taught it. And she's was talking about her child coming up and going to be taught Black History Month. How about teaching... The complete black history. How about how people became slaves? It was one gang going into a,
6: vill- a village and killing a bunch of people, and the ones they didn't kill, they captured and sold them. It was how one this? black gang.
2: How about teaching how people became free? How about teaching in America that this was not the same people that whose ancestors now being called white supremacists also shed bloodshed so that everybody in this country could enjoy the freedoms of this country. How about expanding it for that from that? How about expanding it and how all of us can be free, but that freedom does not occur from governments because the freedom never came from governments. The freedom came from God. How about if we're going to teach this, how about let's break the cycle of this political bullshit stuff that this country has allowed to become part of our national conversation for far too long. How about we teach the real deal? That all of us, all every single one of us has the potential because every single one of us is a drop of the ocean of love. How about teaching that? And let's put a stop to this cycle of this endless political recriminations against each other. How about we do that? I love you. Thank you for the call, Bo. I love you, man. Always great to hear from you. Rick in Elmwood Park, you're up next.
11: James, you want
3: to stop world hunger? Uh, We've got to stop the global warming scam. Do you know how it's connected? Tell us. They, they turned uh, 6% of our food crops into biofuel. And that caused food riots in 20 countries when Obama was president and uh, Biden was vice president. Look up biofuel-caused food crisis on the Internet. It was countries in Africa. They had food riots. Tens of thousands of people starved. I mean, tens of thousands of people died in the riots, and
10: countless more people starved to death. And now the price of food today is up because our fuel prices are up because Biden attacked our fuel supply. So it all goes back again
3: to the global warming scam causing starvation.
2: How about that? Boom. Let's go to Andrew in Byram, New Jersey.
14: Hi, Bo. Yeah, not not to be confused with Andrew from Stanhope, which is right next door. Well anyway, um, yeah, going back yeah, thanks for mentioning David Cosby. Uh um, I didn't I was starting to wonder if you heard about it. That he died. Oh, of
2: course, I heard about oh, it, yeah. and I just, I just, I just moments before your call, just found my co-host for the podcast that we're gonna do. We he's too big to do one little show with, but just bumper music. We're gonna actually do a podcast about his life. So I just found my co-host. So go ahead. Anyway, well, time's well, running short.
14: Yeah. Well, anyway, you, you were talking earlier um, about the the plastic utensils. They want to ban that now. Well, the the real problem is litter bugs. Every time I go to a parking lot, there you see all this junk lying around, and most of it is masks. Uh, well, a lot of it is those ugly, good-for-nothing masks. And and when criminals wear them, you can't tell what they look like. So that's another problem that should be discussed more. They they, they <laughs> that's another problem with these stupid masks. You can't recognize people like you know crooks, villains. <laughs>
2: criminals and scoundrels thank yeah. you for the call now you just said something about the littering and all this stuff the environmentalists. let me tell you a story uh, briefly in the time that i have left which is running out and for all those of you who we couldn't get to this week i apologize in advance that we are going to be here in all next week we want to hear from every one of you but let me just tell you a little quick story it's called dan's bake sale and i'm going to really truncate this story in the early days of the rush show We had a guy that didn't want to pay for the Rush Limbaugh newsletter, so he was photocopying it. He called Rush, and he explained this to Rush. Rush was like, what? That's copyright infringement. At the time, Bill Clinton was doing all this stuff. You should do a bake sale, telling school kids, do a bake sale and send the money to the federal government to help the deficit. Yeah, see how long ago, see how long this deficit thing has been around? Okay. And so what happened? Rush, long story short, said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll do a bake sale and you can get the profits and you can buy the new, the, the Limbaugh letter. It turned out to be the biggest gathering of conservatives in the country. Over, it was called the conservative Woodstock. It happened in Fort Collins, Colorado. Over 75,000 to 100,000 people showed up. We had vendors there from all over the country. People flew in from different parts of the world to be part of Dan's bake sale. It was huge. Now, you can imagine in a city when you have an event like that, that you got 75,000 people, it's going to be pretty messy, right? Here's the unique thing about this, and this hasn't been duplicated except for one other event that I know of, and that was an event with veterans that happened in D.C. At the end of the event, everybody pitched in and made sure that the town was completely clean. The officials could not believe it. It was actually even the source of some write-up, not in the mainstream press. How do you get all these people together and this place is completely clean? It's because of individual responsibility. And that is what I say to the City Council of New York. You don't understand a damn thing about individual responsibility. All you understand is how to limit and curtail the freedoms of your fellow man and woman, which you don't have the constitutional authority to do. And on that happy note, we will leave you until Monday's rush hour. Camellia, I hope you're here next week, honey. I want you here regularly. I'm putting in the request. Sorry. Diego, as always, pleasure. Scott, as always. Our news guy, Daniel. Sweet hang. We'll see you all next week. Monday, back as usual for Bo's Rush Hour. God bless and protect each and every one of you and your family. See you then. Bye.